Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. So, among the myriad football bets out there right now here in early August, I came across one that I felt like was worth a conversation. The 2024 NFL Draft, number one overall pick, Caleb Williams versus the field. Caleb Williams, if you bet on him to be the number one overall pick is at minus 330 right now the field is at plus 220 now first off this is not a bet that i would really recommend because you'd be tying down your money for a really long time because the nfl draft isn't until april or may or whenever so do you really want to tie your money down for that long uh for for really either side of this but let's have a little thought experiment here so Mm -hmm. aaron what are the reasons why Caleb Williams would not go number one overall in the next draft? Well, first, if he gets injured, I mean, I don't think it's a lock. And at minus 330, I think that's kind of crazy to place that kind of bet. Also, many times in drafts, we see leading up to it, different things can happen and that the favorite can flip, it can flip-flop, it can change. <laughs> Uh, quarterbacks can have breakout seasons and surprise us. To me, I would never place that bet on him right now. Joe? Not making the playoff. Not making the playoff certainly mm-hmm. stands out, which which is a possibility. I want to say, going off memory, that the last time the Heisman winner that did not make the playoff was Lamar in 2016 when he was at Louisville. That sounds right. So, yeah, not making the playoff could, could certainly impact uh, his, his draft stock. And there, there's so many reasons why Caleb Williams wouldn't go number one overall. Possibly the team picking number one uh, has a quarterback, like the Jaguars mm-hmm. uh, a couple of seasons ago. They had Trevor Lawrence. They knew they were going to keep him, but they uh, mm-hmm. went defense number one. So that could very well happen here. It's also possible that another quarterback uh, could take over that top spot. That's a possibility. One of the things I did when I look back on this was underclassmen who won the Heisman and then returned to school, it is an impressive list. You've got Bryce Young, Lamar Jackson, Jameis Winston, Johnny Manziel, Mark Ingram, Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow, Matt Leiner. However, more often than not, the winner of the Heisman did not go number one overall when returning to school. Now, you can look at, say, Heisman finalists, and you can expand the sample size. That's fine. But so many different things can happen between now and the NFL draft to where it's possible a different Heisman winner uh, could take over the top spot. Even though Caleb Williams is the favorite to win the award, do you really want to trust someone can go back-to-back, even though you have Lincoln Riley and a great USC offense, all of that stuff? There are a lot of other guys I can point to who could win this award who could then go into the NFL draft and take the top spot, right? Yeah. I see so you didn't you're not recommending it. I love that bet. I just for getting the field, I did not expect to get that sort of a price. But I guess that's how far we are with with Caleb Williams. It's it's him by himself. And then the second favorite, you've got to double the odds before you get to Daniels. And then it's a massive mm-hmm. group that's in that 10 to 1 down to 20 to 5, 25 to 1 range. And you see all sorts of familiar names, some new names like Klubnik over at uh, Clemson, Jordan Travis. His number keeps getting shorter and shorter. Michael Penix, he, 
you know, he came onto the scene last year. Uh, Hartman, the big transfer over to Notre Dame. Many believe that Drake May is going to be the second overall pick. He's also in that range. So, I mean, we could we could list like almost a dozen quarterbacks and maybe a couple of receivers mm-hmm. that will be. Also, if I think the Cardinals have the number one pick, but someone's going to trade up if they don't decide to take Caleb Williams, if he's healthy and everything goes well for him, someone's probably going to trade up if, if that number, if that team doesn't want him, right? But what what just happened this year? Bears, Carolina. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you get a situation like that where you had Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. What if it's, well, the Texans traded their one, right? For the Will Anderson move. Mm -hmm. So, okay. Cardinals, I could still see him going with number one. What if it's Indianapolis? You just took Richardson. I mean, that that would be fascinating. There's a lot of interesting angles. There may be an elite pass rusher or a receiver who you may want more, and you may take them number one overall. I mean, that that is certainly within the realm of possibilities. Not to mention, or you trade down, get some value, get some more picks. You know, because after I just said uh, Arrow pointing up on Anthony Richardson yesterday, I certainly shouldn't say that you go ahead and get another quarterback. But you never know what could happen with these rookies, right? But we were just talking about the Commanders really need a quarterback. That's a team I could definitely Mm -hmm. see moving, trading up to grab one. But specifically when it comes to this bet, is it something where we know Caleb Williams will be that guy right now? You know, Joe, I think the only reason why I'm probably not recommending the bet is because you're Mm -hmm. tying your money down for a really long time. But if you're, if say the draft were tomorrow, then yeah, plus 220, absolutely. I would take that. I mean, that's, you know, there's Mm -hmm. a ton of value there because there's so many different avenues where this doesn't work out for Caleb Williams Aside from the fact that there's actionable information that we can work on right now, as far as like Heisman futures, things like that, there there are a lot of good quarterbacks in college football this upcoming season who could very well declare. And that to me opens up the door for a number of possibilities. Yep. And it just, it doesn't happen, right? That's the other bottom line. And then there's also the bias of the voters. They like something new every once in a while. It's not like NFL MVP. Now, most of the time it is quarterback and it's very difficult for it not to be a quarterback. It's happened six of the last seven years, 11 of the last 13, the two exceptions. Uh, we go to Bama a couple years ago is uh, Devonte Smith in 2020. Um, it felt like they wanted to go Trevor Lawrence, but then in the end with the season that he put together, it wasn't Heisman worthy. So let's go to Bama uh, 2015. There's your other exception to the world. 2015, it was Derrick Henry. Let's go to the best running back on the best team. So he ends up winning the award. But most of the time it is quarterback. So uh, the odds do make sense as far as that goes. And um, also, like, there might be a Joe Burrow that we don't know about. Like, Burrow Mm -hmm. was 200 to 1 before that college football season, that amazing season for LSU. So you just don't know, especially now with the transfer reporter more active than ever before. 
Cam Newton's another example, who was also a part of, right. you know, whatever the transfer portal was at that time. Went to Auburn, uh, had arguably the best season any quarterback's ever had. Uh, wound up winning the Heisman, going number one overall to Carolina. That is within the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. There are Love countless it. examples of somebody coming in from seemingly out of nowhere to take over that top, that top spot. And not that Caleb Williams isn't great, but do we believe he's that transcendent superstar who could win the Heisman twice, go number one overall? I don't have enough information to make that kind of conclusion. In fact, the information I do have says, yeah, he can be a really good quarterback. He could go number one overall. He certainly deserved to win the Heisman last year, but there are way too many things I can point to to say it's not perfect. He's not absolutely positively perfect where I feel like this can happen. Yeah, and and I will say, <laughs> I know this is not part of the criteria, or at least it's not supposed to be, but I do do believe the voters are doing a better job of taking the most talented players in, in addition to the best numbers. Right. Like, we're not seeing Jason White, Eric Crouch, you know, <laughs> some of those, Danny Werfel. These guys are Heisman Trophy yeah. winners forever. Like, yeah, yeah, Gino Toretta. I don't think he would win it at this time, even though he, you know, that was an awesome Miami squad he was part of. Tim Tebow, mm-hmm. definitely also a, a, oh, yeah. a part of that. Oh, yeah, there's that one. Yeah. There's that one, too. <laughs> yeah. so, so the moral of the story, embrace uncertainty, embrace variance, because uh, expect to get some of it in this upcoming college football season, which could bleed over into the NFL draft and Heisman Futures, all that fun stuff. Uh, another baseball game that we really should get to, uh, getting back to our MLB card conversation. How about we talk a little Astros uh, going up against the O's. Framber Valdez, his first start since his no-no. And the question is, is he going to be like pretty much any other pitcher uh, who comes off a no-hitter or a perfect game? Perhaps they tend to struggle a little bit in that next start. When you look at, say, Woba x Woba difference, Valdez is very much a regression candidate, especially coming off of that no-hitter. He's also, per the market, projected to go six strong innings. So how do you play this? Do you trust uh, O's hitters to knock him around? Do you trust Astros hitters to, to keep this a close game, maybe help Valdez get the win, whatever? I ultimately settled on uh, over four and a half, first five total runs at minus 105. Grayson Rodriguez on the bump for Baltimore. He could very well struggle. O's could hit Valdez around. This could be just a three to two ball game, but it's sort of my way to fade Valdez without fading him directly, Joe. Yeah, and that that's in the bloodstream and it's in the market too, because Houston's minus one thirty with Valdez after this no hitter. Now, without digging up some of the numbers, I I would be careful about just an outright Valdez fade in this specific spot one because you need the Astros hitters not to show up that that is part of your bet uh but the other part is you know anecdotally I would assume that there are in the majority of these instances where a pitcher goes nine and they get the no hitter that they're getting pushed pushed much more than most other starts he only threw 93 pitches and we know he's a ground ball guy. He got 12 ground balls in that game, only one walk. But 93 pitches, that's less than, okay, let's see, than two of his July starts. 
almost every start in June, almost every start in May. So it's <laughs> when you actually look at the numbers, the 93 pitches by Valdez in his no-hitter was one of his fewest pitch counts of the year. Wow. This is a tough one. Because you're really – should I just back Houston on the run line first five? Plus 115, minus half a run. It's That's tough. The money. Orioles have been so I, good. I know. They, they have been, but it, it is plus money. Away. Yeah. Plus money. I'd like wow, to ask an amazing. awards question regarding sure. this game. Cole was not very good yesterday. He's the leader for AL Cy Young. Goes seven, but gives up four runs and only strikes out three. How much can Valdez close the gap? Because he's second favorite at about five to one. How much can he close the gap if he's good again tonight? Like, you got to think significantly. Uh, it, I hesitate saying poor start from Cole. He pitched, what, into the seventh, I believe? Gave you seven innings? He got through seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. He wasn't bad. It was it three earned runs? And that Four. was viewed as one of his bad games. By the way. Bravo, yes, that's one Aaron run Boone. off a quality start. I mean, Aaron Boone was hilarious last night. That was phenomenal what he did with Laz Diaz. And, and the whole mocking him. And <laughs> he was so angry. Uh, he, Laz Diaz is, is terrible. And he was bad last night for the record. I'm on Boone's side as far as that goes. I don't – the no-hitter helps. If he has a, a strong outing against a very popular hot O's team, it could help. But I don't think it's going to be super close after tonight, no matter what Valdez does, unless it's just, oh, my God, he's just remarkable once again, and he, and he nearly goes the distance. But, but, yeah, Cole wasn't Cole, but he's, I still expect him to be the heavy favorite tomorrow morning. I yeah I'm I'm with you Joe I I think the gap can be closed but it's it's not a tremendous amount when you're just dealing with one start the other thing too is again you're dealing with two guys who are largely familiar to the baseball crowd so it's not like you've got one person who could very well fall off the map and some are expecting that to happen I think pretty much every voter is expecting this to kind of go the distance, I would assume. And if that's the mm-hmm. case and you want additional information and th- this could be a, a really split vote all the way to the end. Is it a two pitcher race now? Gaussman is be. right there at six to one. And then Castillo kind of like that mid range. You could find him 17 to one uh, before you get to Otani. Hmm. Mm. Tony does have a lot of strikeouts. The pitching hasn't quite been there for him uh, these last couple starts, but it, it could come back. Like, I wouldn't count him out here. And with Castillo, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would either. So, you know, maybe you're right. It is more than just a two-person race here, but wouldn't be surprised if it separates itself uh, more than anything else. So there's that. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, our lightning bets, our favorite plays for tonight. That's coming up right here on the BetQL Network.